بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respect to listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We are in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal and as was announced previously I hope to speak on the topic of the love of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam today Love, the love of Allah and the love of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam plays a very big part in the life of a Muslim. Islam isn't just about do's and don'ts, laws, prohibitions, prescriptions and proscriptions. But Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have also spoken in the Qur'an and in the Hadith about the love of Allah and the love of His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Love is a very important emotion and it regulates and directs many things. We do a lot of what we do for love, out of love. We make choices, we make sacrifices because of love. And ultimately, we all love, we all love people and things, though we may deny it. And in our love for people, for things, even for ideas, we are willing to do so much. And we love different people and different things for different reasons. We have a love for our parents, our children, our siblings, our families, our spouses. And there are many different considerations in all of these instances of love. We love our mother because she was the cause, well, she was the means through which we came into this world. She cared for us, looked after us, nurtured us. We love our father. But the love of a human being for the mother is very different to that of the father. The father's love has an element of respect and awe and authority, which may not be the case in a person's love for their mother, which is far more emotional. But we love the mother for different reasons. We love the father for different reasons. We love our children for different reasons, our siblings, our spouse, 
we love other people who aren't even part of our family, and there may be other considerations. In exchange, we love them because we have a self-interest, and they may reciprocate that love, again, out of personal and selfish consideration. In any case, there are so many reasons for loving, but and people make sacrifices and choices because of the, this love. What Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have taught us is that the highest degree of love, the greatest love, the purest of love, for which a person is willing to make the greatest sacrifices, is the love of Allah the Creator. Nothing ultimately should override the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says in a verse of the Quran, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادٍ يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ That of mankind there are those who take equals to Allah. They love these equals that they have erected besides Allah, that they have set up besides Allah. They love them as they should have loved Allah, or as should be the love of Allah. And that's evident. As I said, ultimately we all love something or someone. And this, these andad, these equals that Allah speaks of, they can take the form of gods and deities, other people, ideas, even oneself. As Allah says in the Quran, Have you seen one who has made his God his desire? We all love something. We all ultimately obey someone. We all submit to someone's authority. And often it's the love and the devotion. It's the love of and devotion to and the worship of ourselves. Our nafs. So Allah actually says, have you seen one who has made his God, his soul, his desire? Well, his desire, his passion. So we can make that an equal to Allah. We can make our nafs an equal to Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, once these people have set up equals to Allah, they then devote themselves to them as they should have devoted themselves to Allah the Creator. They love them as they should have loved Allah. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And those who have believed, they are most intense, they are even more intense in their love for Allah. And here Allah speaks of the true believers. So no matter what people may do for love, no matter what, how great a sacrifice they may make for love, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who believe in Allah 
and who are sincere in that belief, no one can rival or match the love that they have for Allah And the Sahaba عنهم, were a supreme example of that. Now, we, as I said, we all love, and we all love for different reasons. And because of that love, we make great sacrifices. We may not immediately accept this, but even imagine a person sometimes... In the name of love, or out of a claim of love, a person even sacrifices one's whole family. A man meets a woman. Hitherto they were total strangers. No blood relationship. They don't belong to the same family. In fact, they were completely unknown to each other, total strangers. They profess love for one another. Maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. Maybe they are deluded, maybe it's genuine. But in that love, both of them are willing to abandon their families and their backgrounds and almost everything that they were associated with till today. There have been kings who have willingly, when faced with a choice, abdicated the throne. Because the law, the constitution, or the climate didn't permit them to ascend the throne whilst being married to a particular woman. They had to make a choice, renounce their love or renounce their throne. And kings have been known to renounce their throne and go away and live in exile. Allah and Rasul have taught us that the greatest love that a person can have, should have, is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once a person loves someone or something, they love those <coughs> things and people who are associated with that beloved of theirs. And if someone loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will love those that Allah loves. And out of the whole of creation, the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most honoured, is undoubtedly the noble messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is to love Allah. To obey the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is to obey Allah. And that's why Allah says in a verse, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي Say, if you love Allah, then follow me. That's the Prophet was being told that announced to the people that if you love Allah, follow me. In return, Allah will love you. And Allah will forgive you your sins. And Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. If someone claims to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ultimately, they have no choice but to f- love the Prophet ﷺ, to obey him and to follow in his footsteps. And this is why in many hadith, 
Rasulullah has mentioned the obligation of his love alongside the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why should we love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Well, if we love our fathers and our mothers because they were the means of bringing us into this life, then how and why can we and should we not love that person who is the means of bringing us eternal life? The life that the Prophet ﷺ brought us is not for three score years or even a century. It's a life of eternity. And the Prophet ﷺ himself showed love and affection for his ummah, care and devotion to his ummah. And as believers, we are like a family, brothers and sisters amongst ourselves. And of the Prophet ﷺ, Allah says in Surah Al-Ahzab, that the Prophet is more deserving and closer to the believers than themselves. And his wives are their mothers. Now the wives of the Prophet are the mothers of the believers. And so the Prophet himself, he is like a father. Imam Mujahid who was one of the most famous tabi'een and the greatest of scholars amongst the students and of the Sahaba and the successors to the companions In fact, he is regarded as being the Imam of Qira'ah and Tafsir. So Imam Mujahid used to say that the Prophet is a father to the Ummah. So when Allah says, That the Prophet is dearer and closer and more deserving of the believers than even their own souls. And his wives are their mothers. And the ulama have mentioned that ultimately every Prophet of Allah, he is a father to his nation. This is why Lut in the Quran, when the angels came to visit him in the form of men, and some of his people wished ill with those men. And Lut was pleading with them, and he said to them, that, oh my people, these are my daughters. They are pure of you. He wasn't referring to his own flesh and blood and his own children, his own daughters. He was referring to the women of his nation because ultimately they were his daughters. 
So this is why the ulama say every prophet of Allah ultimately is like a father to his nation. And Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam is like a father. In fact, he states that in a hadith himself. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah relates a hadith in his musnad in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, إِنَّمَا أَنَا لَكُمْ مِثْلُ الْوَالِدِ To you, I am but only like a father. And the same narration from Abu da in, in the Sunan of Abu Dawood, again from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, إِنَّمَا أَنَا لَكُمْ بِمَنْزِلَةِ الْوَالِدِ أُعَلِّمُكُمْ Now the hadith is about is about personal hygiene. So before going into the details of how a believer should purify themselves and maintain personal and ritual hygiene, the Prophet ﷺ prefaces these words with the statement, إِنَّمَا أَنَا لَكُمْ بِمَنْزِلَةِ الْوَالِدِ أُعَلِّمُكُمْ That for you I am but like a father, in the rank of a father I teach you. So Rasulullah himself described himself as a father, as like a father, similar to a father, in the position and rank of a father to the whole ummah. And we should love him as a father, honor, honor him as a father. But what kind of father? Like no other father. If our parents were responsible for, or a means for bringing us into this worldly life, the Prophet ﷺ was a means of bringing us eternal life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him for us, and Allah chose us for him. We are honored to be part of his ummah. And the Prophet ﷺ's compassion and love for his ummah was such. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that the Prophet of Allah, the Prophet, is closer to and dearer to and more deserving of the believers than themselves. Which means that we have an obligation to love him more than we love ourselves. And yet the Prophet turned this around completely for himself. Rather than the Prophet ﷺ stating to the Sahaba عنهم, that you should, I am dearer to you. If we ever find something to our advantage in the Quran, in the Hadith, then we love to cite it because it's to our advantage. If we find something, if we discover something, an evidence, an argument, we love to use it to our advantage. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala categorically states something to the advantage of the Prophet which is that all the believers have a greater duty and a greater loyalty and a greater devotion to the Prophet and he has a greater right over them than they have over themselves. 
What greater advantage could there be to the Prophet ﷺ? And yet, how did the Prophet ﷺ apply these words of the Qur'an? Look at his justice and his compassion. Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim both relate from Abu Hurairah that whenever a funeral would come before Rasulullah ﷺ, he would ask, that has this person left behind any debt? If the people said no, the Prophet ﷺ would pray salah over him. If the people said yes, he has left behind some debt, the Prophet ﷺ would ask, has he left behind the means to cover that debt? And if they said no, the Prophet ﷺ would say to them, Sallu ala sahibikum, that you pray salah over your companion. He would decline to pray salah. And one of the reasons was that he wanted to set an example that people should honor one another and honor their obligations to each other. And if someone borrows money from another, they should strive their utmost and ensure that that money is repaid. They should not leave the world without their debts being paid. And if for any clerical reason the, debt has been, the repayment of the debts has been delayed, then they should make arrangements and leave behind funds or some means for their debt to be covered. And if someone is careless about that, or if we can't say careless, but if someone failed to do that for whatever reason, Rasulullah wanted to set an example that he personally declined to pray Salatul Janazah over them as a warning to others. However, later Abu Hurairah relates in this hadith that when Allah opened up things for the Prophet there were some conquests Wealth came into Medina, wealth came to the Prophet ﷺ. What did Rasulullah ﷺ do? Previously, he never had the means to repay himself. But when money did come in, did the Prophet ﷺ, like a tribal leader as he was accused of, or a king, or a monarch, or an emperor, or a ruler, or any other individual, did he claim that wealth for himself and appropriate it for himself? No. When wealth came to him and he was now in a position to have some wealth, to spend some wealth, the Prophet ﷺ decided the following. He said, Abu Hurairah says that when Allah opened up things for him, Rasulullah ﷺ made an announcement. And he said, أَنَا أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ فَمَنْ تُوَفِّيَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَتَرَكَ دَيْنًا فَعَلَيَّ قَضَاءُهُ وَمَنْ تَرَكَ مَالًا فَلِوَرَثَتِهِ He says, I am the most deserving of and closest and dearest to the believers in themselves. So whoever amongst the believers passes away and departs from this world, and he leaves behind the debt, فَعَلَيَّ قَضَاءُهُ then it is my responsibility to repay that debt. 
ومن ترك مالا فلورثته and whoever leaves behind wealth so not a debt but he leaves behind an estate Rasulullah says that's for his successors and inheritors. Imagine. And in another narration of the same hadith in Bukhari, Prophet says, Ma min mu'min illa wa ana awlan nasibih fi dunya wal akhirah iqra'u in shi'tum an nabiyya awla bil mu'minin min anfusihim. Prophet said, There is no believer. Except that I am the most deserving of him and closest and dearest to him. Of all people in this world and in the afterlife. Read if you wish the words of Allah. The same verse of Surah Al-Ahzab. The Prophet ﷺ is closer to the believers in themselves. So rather than use this to his advantage, the Prophet ﷺ turned it around completely and said... He acted like a father to the ummah. That when he had wealth, if someone left any debt, the Prophet ﷺ would cover that debt. But if someone left behind wealth, he wouldn't take a penny from it, and that wealth would go to the family. The Prophet ﷺ, for this and countless other reasons, deserved the love and devotion and loyalty of his followers. And his noble companions gave it to him. They loved him dearly. They loved him more than anything else, more than themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testified that to that in the Quran. They loved them, the Prophet even more than they loved themselves and their families. And this is a topic in itself the love of the companions for the Prophet. But we, centuries on, if we choose to follow the Messenger وسلم, we have an obligation to love him, to act on this verse of the Quran, the Prophet وسلم, is closer to and dearer to the believers and even themselves. Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim, Rahmahumullah, both relate a hadith in the Sahih. From Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, La yu'minu ahadukum. In fact, this is it. The love of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is part of faith. It's part of iman. There is no concept of believing in Allah without loving the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One cannot be a believer without the true and most profound love of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu says in this hadith, La yu'minu ahadukum. One of you cannot be, one of you does not believe. Hatta akuna ahabbi ilayhi min walidihi wa walidihi wa nasi ajma'een until I am more beloved to him than his father, his children, his son. His father, his son, and all of the people. And the father includes the mother, parents. And the son includes a daughter, children. So one of you does not believe, is not a believer, until I am more beloved to him than his parents and his children and the whole of mankind. That's a categorical statement. One cannot become a true believer until one develops that level of love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that was the love of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. In fact, now, 
We love ourselves. The Prophet says, well, there's a story behind it. The story is that Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi, they relate from Abdullah ibn Hisham, radiyallahu an, that the Prophet was once, he says, we, the companions, we were with the Prophet And he was affectionately holding the hand of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Prophet was clasping the hand of Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu an. So Umar radiyallahu anhu said to him, Ya Rasulullah, لَأَنْتَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا مِنْ نَفْسِي Thou Prophet of Allah, you are more beloved to me than everything else except myself. Now what Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu anhu was trying to say he was very honest. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu he would speak openly, frankly, and factually. There was, he wasn't pretentious in any way. He said what was in his heart. He meant what he said, he said what he meant. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu like any human being, he felt that ultimately a person loves oneself dearly. That's what drives oneself to preservation, to survival. And strange, but we claim to love others. But when it comes to ourselves, we are willing to shun and abandon even those that we claim to love. So Sayyidina Umar initially told the Prophet whilst he was holding his hand that, O Messenger of Allah, you are more beloved to me than everything else except myself. Listen to the reply of the Prophet He said, لا والذي نفسي بيده حتى أكون أحب إليك من نفسك Nay, by that Allah in whose hands rests my soul until I do not become more beloved to you than even your own soul. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh replied with the words, فَإِنَّهُ الْآنَ وَاللَّهِ لَأَنْتَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ نَفْسِي That then indeed now by Allah you are most surely beloved to me, more beloved to me than my own self. So the Prophet wasallam said to him, الْآنَ يَا عُمَرُ now, O Umar, now. So a person cannot become a true believer until they love Rasulullah more than they love themselves, their children, their families, the whole of mankind. Now some may question that. How can a person be expected to love the Prophet even more than their loved ones, their families, and even themselves. Well, this has been done. And the truth is, as I said right at the beginning, we are willing to make changes and make sacrifices for the sake of our worldly love. Sometimes, 
a person's sides with the one that they claim to love, even over their parents. Their parents have nurtured them, protected them and brought them up, looked after them for 30, 40 years. And now in their old age, someone that a person claims to love, a husband or a wife, if there's a dispute between them and the parents, disregarding all consideration and all feelings and all loyalty, at times a person can abandon one's own mother for the sake of someone that they claim to love. It's about love at the end of the day. So people do make sacrifices and choices for the sake of that love. What Allah and His Rasul have told us is that that level of love where you make the ultimate choices and sacrifices, that level of love should be reserved for Allah and His Rasul And that's exactly what the Sahaba did. This is why he says, one of you cannot believe until I am more beloved to him than his parents, his children, and the whole of mankind. In fact, if someone wishes to taste the sweetness of Iman, then that is found in the love of Allah and in the love of His Rasul Again, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim both relate from Anas bin Malik radiyallahu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, ثَلَاثٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ وَجَدَ بِهِنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِيمَانِ مَنْ كَانَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّا سِوَاهُمَا وَإِنْ يُحِبَّ الْمَرْءَ لَا يُحِبُّهُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنْ يَكْرَهَ أَنْ يَعُودَ فِي الْكُفْرِ بَعْدَ أَنْ أَنْقَذَهُ اللَّهُ مِنْ كَمَا يَكْرَهُ أَنْ يُقْذَفَ فِي النَّارِ Prophet said there are three things which, if found in a person, they will discover the sweetness of Iman. Number one, that Allah and His Rasul are more beloved to him than all others besides Allah and His Messenger. Number two, that a person loves another, another man, another person. A person loves another person. They do not love them except for the sake of Allah. And number three, that's a person dislikes the very thought of returning to disbelief once Allah has delivered them from that disbelief and saved them from it as much as they dislike and fear the thought of being flung into the fire. So if a person has all three things in them, they will discover the sweetness of Iman. But the first of these three is that Allah and His Rasul وسلم, are more beloved to that person than anyone and everything else. Now, as I said, the, this is a topic in itself, the love of the companions for the Prophet وسلم, and I'll speak about that in detail on another occasion. But just to say one or two things... <coughs> To give us some insight. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum were such that they did love the Prophet more than they loved their own father than they loved their own fathers. To the, to the extent that look at Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Prophet told him that 
know, O Umar, until I am more beloved to you than even yourself. Now Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, he embraced Islam many years later. Even at the time of Badr, he was an unbeliever and he was actually with the Meccan army. Now Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu He was with the Prophet's uncle, Abbas radiyallahu And he was speaking to him and encouraging him to embrace Islam. So someone commented on that. So Umar radiyallahu reply was, that I would be more happy by the Islam and by the embracing of religion by Abbas than my own father Khattab. Why? Because I can see the eagerness of the Prophet ﷺ and his pleasure at seeing his uncle embrace Islam. So Umar radiallahu he gave preference to the desire and the wish and the pleasure of the Prophet seeing his uncle Abbas embracing Islam over his own desire and pleasure of seeing his father Khattab embrace Islam. And in fact, years later when he was Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu he fixed stipends for the companions radiallahu anhum. So he gave his son Abdullah ibn Umar a certain amount. He fixed a certain amount for him. And then he fixed an even greater amount for Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu the son of Zayd ibn Haritha. So Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu spoke to his father and he said, Father, why have you given Usama her greater stipend than me? When we are both equal, he has never surpassed me in anything. Meaning in participation in the campaigns of Rasulullah which was a key consideration for the stipend. This is why the veterans of Badr receive the greatest amount. So he said, we were equal in that regard. So why have you given him a greater share than me? So Umar reply was, because, O oh Abdullah, the reason is that he was more beloved to the Prophet ﷺ than you were, just as his father was more beloved to the Prophet ﷺ than your father was. Umar I'm giving one or two examples of Umar because he is the one to whom the Prophet ﷺ said, until... I am more dearer and beloved to you than even your own, own soul. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu proved it. He, along with the other Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they loved the Prophet sallallahu more than they loved their children, their parents and themselves. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu was more eager for the family of the Prophet sallallahu to embrace Islam because he wanted to see his pleasure than he was for his own family to embrace. 
towards Islam. He would give more to those who were beloved to the Messenger of Allah than those who were beloved to him. Even the wives of the Prophet This is something which is often overlooked. The wives of the Prophet they were married to him. And he was their husband. But more than they loved him as a husband, they loved him and adored him and cherished him and honored him as a messenger of Allah. Even more than, their, than him being a husband. And this is very evident from the verses of the Qur'an, which are known as the verses of ultimatum. As they were his wives, in their normal love, and in their normal married life, the Prophet ﷺ experienced some tests and trials. On one occasion, he secluded himself for up to a month, contemplating divorcing all of his wives. No marriage is perfect. No. We say... A marriage made in heaven. There was a marriage made in heaven. We speak of a marriage made in heaven. It's a metaphorical term. It's a hope. But there was one marriage actually made in heaven. And that was between the Prophet ﷺ and Zainab bint Jahsh and she would pride herself on that. She would say to the other wives, your families married you. Because Zainab radiallahu anha, her marriage was without nikah on earth and without mahr, a dowry and a ceremony. Allah married her as is mentioned in the Quran. فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا وَطَرًا زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا Allah says, we married you to her. So Zainab radiallahu anha used to say to the co-wives that your families married you off, but I, Allah married me in the heavens. By the declaration of the Qur'an. So for her there was no nikah and there was no mahr. And she would pride herself on that. So that was truly, not metaphorically, truly and literally a marriage made in heaven. Yet what was the relationship of the wife, of the Prophet ﷺ in a marriage made in heaven? On one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ didn't speak to her for a very, very long time. Many, many days. And in one narration, up to two months, he expressed his displeasure to her. And she pleaded with him in every way, trying to appease him and placate him. Ultimately, the Prophet ﷺ accepted. Zainab bin Tujahash would argue with the other wives. There were two parties. And she was a leader of one party. And Aisha radiallahu anha says that she was my greatest rival. She was the one who would rival me with the Messenger of Allah. 
And they would argue in front of the Prophet Dishes would be thrown onto the floor. Bowls would be broken. Dust would be flung on each other. One on one occasion, the Prophet Abu Bakr came and the women were arguing amongst themselves and they began throwing dust on each other. So the Prophet Abu Bakr quickly took hold of him and said, Ya Rasulullah, come and he took him away for Isha Salah. So he pulled him out of the house. So the Prophet he secluded himself for a month, for up to a month. Why? There were so many incidents that had taken place. The Prophet was seriously contemplating divorcing all of his wives, including dissolving the marriage that was made in heaven. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, give them an ultimatum, give them a choice. And one of the reasons for him contemplating divorce, one of the issues was money, maintenance. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ, as I mentioned earlier in the hadith of Abu Hurairah from Bukhari, that initially the Prophet ﷺ did not have wealth. So he wasn't in a position to repay the debts of his followers. But once money did start coming in, instead of keeping it for himself, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever of the believers passes away and leaves behind a debt, then I shall pay for it. So initially, the wives understood that there was very little wealth. But once wealth started coming in, the wives made increasing demands of the Prophet ﷺ. And when I say demands, I must... We must be cautious about the understanding of the word demand. I.e. they did request this from the Prophet ﷺ and they kept on pressing him on it. But their demands weren't great. They weren't asking for luxury. They lived in simple homes. But they felt that they should have a greater share than their current share from the wealth that was coming to the Messenger ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ disapproved of that. So, amongst other things, this was one of the things that drove him to contemplating divorce and excluding himself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then told him, give them an ultimate, give them a choice. And what was that choice? Listen to the words very carefully. You've heard this before, but there's an angle that I wish to explain to you, which is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ قُلْ لِأَزْوَاجِكَ إِنْ كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا فَتَعَالَيْنَ أُمَتِّعْكُنَّ وَأُسَرِّحْكُنَّ سَرَاحٍ جَمِيلًا Let's say to your wives, O Prophet, if you seek the worldly life and its beauty, then come. I shall give you some wealth, then I shall release you in a good way. وَإِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهِ And if you seek Allah and His Messenger, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَعَدَّ لِلْمُحْسِنَاتِ مِنْ كُنَّ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا 
But if you seek Allah and his messenger, then indeed Allah has prepared for those of you who do good and immense reward. Now look at the wording. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say to him, tell the wives, if you want your husband back, if you want your husband back, if you want to remain with your husband, this was a separation for a month. And now you are being given an ultimatum, you are being given a choice. Do you want to continue in the marriage? Do you want to continue living with your husband? Do you want your husband back? Do you want your beloved back? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't use any of those phrases or terms. Allah's words were, وَإِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ That if you seek Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that was the ultimatum. So their choice wasn't between everything that they were demanding and their husband. No, the choice was you either continue demanding what you want. If that's what you want, we shall give it to you. Or we won't give you your husband. If you are seeking the alternative, that alternative is Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa this is why the wives of the Prophet wasallam, and who did they choose? They chose Allah and his messenger wasallam. They saw the Prophet of Allah as a husband, yes, but more than a husband, they saw him as a messenger of Allah and they loved him as a messenger of Allah. Once the Sahaba عنهم, were seated, they took the Prophet wasallam, drank from a bowl and the bowl was passed to the companions. So they took it, they drank from it, and they took the water and they, they, placed, they anointed themselves with the water. They sprinkled the water on themselves. That was their love for the Prophet of Allah. One of the wives was standing behind the curtain and she said, save some for your mother. Save some water for your mother. Why did she say that? She wasn't saying it, that the, these are, this is the water of my beloved husband. No. Just as these companions wanted the barakah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's leftover water, she wanted the barakah of the messenger of Allah's leftover water, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That was how the wives saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam too. Not just as their beloved husband, but more than that, as the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there are countless examples of the love of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I've just given you two examples of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhum and the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I'll go into more detail on another occasion when I devote a whole topic to this. But as Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhum says in that hadith, one in whom they are these three things, they will taste the sweetness of Iman. The first one is that Allah and His Messenger وسلم, is more beloved to Him than are more beloved to Him than anyone and everything else. But ultimately, it's easy to make a claim of love. 
The proof of that love is in the obedience of the Messenger of Allah. And that's why Allah said, قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ قُلْ أَطِيعُ اللَّهُ وَالرَّسُولُ Allah repeats it again. So the full verse with the beginning of the next verse is, Say, if you love Allah, follow me. Allah will love you in return and forgive you your sins. And Allah is most forgiving, most, most merciful. Say, Allah repeats in the, in the, at the beginning of the next verse, Say, Obey Allah and His Messenger. There can be no claim of the love of Allah or his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam without their obedience imagine a father and a mother the child repeatedly says i love you but hurts them inconveniences them disobeys them goes against their wishes their express commands disregards their express instructions how would a mother or a father feel? Not only would they be injured, not only would they be injured by, the pers- by their child's disobedience, hurt and injured by their child's disobedience, but they would also be insulted. An insult added to the injury that the child disobeys and then still professes love. The child repeatedly hurts and inconveniences us and disregards our wishes and yet continues to profess love. What can we say of our relationship with the Prophet of Allah sallallahu On the one hand, we profess love for him and on the other, we continue to disobey him and disregard his commands. How, how will it be seen in the sight of Allah if we actually disobey him in the claim of love. So we claim to love him and disobey him. And whilst claiming to love him, we continue to commit acts of disobedience and in fact rebellion. There can be no love of the Prophet ﷺ without his obedience. And that's what the Sahaba عنهم, did. They loved him dearly. But they did so much to follow in his footsteps and to obey him. And even then, they felt they weren't doing so much. They weren't doing enough. In fact, Imam Bukhari relates a hadith in his Sahih. And Imam Muslim from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu That's a man, it's remarkable, most of these hadith are from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu So Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu says that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he himself is an example of the love that the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum had for the Prophet sallallahu Anas radiyallahu His mother Umm Sulaim radiyallahu anha, a remarkable woman, remarkable. She, when the Prophet sallallahu came to Medina, she brought Anas radiyallahu anhu, was very young, maybe eight to ten years old. And she said, Ya Rasulullah, most likely eight. He said, she said, Ya Rasulullah, others have brought you gifts on your arrival and to greet you. 
upon your entrance into this city. O Messenger of Allah, I have no other gift to bring you. But I bring you my son, my special son. Here, Anas, have him and make him your attendant, your servant, your khadim. Let him wait on you. And indeed, that's what Anas radiallahu an became. He would run errands for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And for ten years, he remained very close to him, observing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa closely, spending time inside his home. And he loved him dearly. So Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu says that one day a man came and he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, When is the final hour of judgment? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him in reply, What have you prepared for it? And that man said, La shay illa anni uhibbullah wa rasoolah. Nothing except that I love Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, when the man said nothing, it didn't mean that indeed he had prepared nothing. This, these were the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They did so much and yet they felt that everything that they had done was nothing. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu. We've learnt a bit about him. Abu Dhar radiallahu was one of the earliest people to embrace Islam. He sacrificed so much. He chained so much. Abu Dhar radiallahu was actually of the opinion that it was haram and unlawful to own more wealth and more possessions than one's daily needs. He, he as a matter of principle and faith, he actually believed, and that was his interpretation of verses of the Qur'an, that it's unlawful. And impermissible, it's haram to own and to possess more than one's daily needs. And that's why he would scold the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And he was fearless. He would reprimand Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu He would reprimand the leading companions in Damascus, in Medina. They sent him from, he went from Medina to Damascus. From Damascus, they sent him back to Medina. In ultimately, Uthman ibn Affan an had to remove him from Medina and send him away to Rabda, at a distance away from Medina. Abu Dhar an refused to compromise in his position, in his belief. And ultimately, he lived alone in Rabda. And part of it was a prophecy of the Prophet ﷺ when in the campaign of Tabuk he saw him coming from a distance. He was missing, so some of the others questioned his absence. Prophet ﷺ cautioned them and then eventually they saw him coming from a distance. Prophet ﷺ said something to the effect that may Allah have mercy on, on Abu Dhar. He walks alone, he shall die alone. And indeed, that's what happened. Uthman radiallahu sent him away. He lived alone in Rabdah with his wife. No one there with him. 
But he did not compromise on his position. His belief was that it was haram to own more wealth and to possess anything more than one's daily needs. And in that belief, he would speak to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And he was fearless. In fact, on one occasion, he said that you will not silence me to the extent that if you raise a sword over my neck, and if I find that in between the drop of the sword and the severing of my neck, I find a few moments to speak the words of truth, I will. That was Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu. So who can doubt the sincerity, the passion, the sacrifice, and the level of deeds of someone of the caliber of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu? And yet he once went to the Prophet sallallahu Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and Imam Abu Dawood relate this hadith. He went to the Prophet sallallahu and he said, Ya Rasulullah, there is a man who wishes to be with some people, but he's unable to perform the deeds that they perform. Prophet knew that Abu Dhar is referring to himself and the Prophet and his noble companions. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, there is a man who wishes to be with certain people, but who is unable to do their and do their deeds or perform their deeds. Prophet understood and he said to him, Ya Abu Dhar, that oh, Abu Dhar, you are with those whom you love. So Abu Dhar anhu said, Inni, uh, that I love the Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet said, You are with those whom you love. So Abu Dhar anhu said, I love the Messenger of Allah. Prophet said, You are with those whom you love. In some narrations, he said this three times, and the Prophet repeated it to him three times. So who could have doubted the sacrifice, the sincerity, the passion, the commitment, and the deeds of someone like Abu Dhar radiallahu but yet they always felt that they were never good enough. So this is why they went to the Prophet sallallahu and said, there, are <clears throat> there is a man and there are, he wishes to be with certain people, but he cannot perform their deeds. So going back to the other narration of Bukhari and Muslim, Anas radiallahu anhu says that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said to him, when is the final hour of judgment? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, and what have you prepared for it? His reply was, la shay, illa anni uhibbullah wa rasoolah. Nothing. Now that's the context in which we should understand his words, nothing. They did everything, but they felt they had done nothing. So he said nothing, except that I love Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Anta ma'aman ahbabt, you are with those whom you love. So Anas, the narrator of the hadith, radiallahu anhu, he says, we were never so pleased as much as we were pleased on that occasion when we heard the Prophet ﷺ say, Anta ma'man ahbibta, that you are with those whom you love, then Anas radiallahu anhu says, No. فَأَنَا أُحِبُّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ وَأَبَا بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ وَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ مَعَهُمْ بِحُبِّي إِيَّاهُمْ 
says that there was nothing that pleased us more than the words of the Prophet ﷺ on that occasion, that you are with those whom you love. So know that I love the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and Umar, and I wish to be with them because of my love for them, even though I have not been able to do something similar to their deeds. And that was Anas radiyallahu looking up to the company of Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu anhumah, along with that of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Imam Tabarani rahmatullahi alayhi relates a hadith from Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha. It's a very beautiful story. She says, a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Ya Rasulullah, by Allah, you are the most beloved thing. You are more beloved to me and dearer to me than myself. You are more beloved to me than my family and my wealth. You are more beloved to me than my children. O Messenger of Allah, when I am at home, I think of you and I remember you. And I am unable to contain myself. I am disquieted and I am impatient. Until I come to the I come just to see you. And to set eyes on you. So when I'm at home and I think of you, I become disturbed. Until I come to see you. Then, O Messenger of Allah, I think of my death. And I think of your passing away. And I think of your going to Jannah. And that when you will go to Jannah, you shall be raised with the other prophets. And when I go to Jannah, I may not be able to see you. Prophet ﷺ didn't reply. Later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse after this conversation. And that verse was, That whoever obeys Allah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then these are the ones who shall be with those they are those who shall be with those on whom Allah has bestowed his favor. Of whom the prophets, the honest and voracious ones, the martyrs and the pious. And these are a beautiful people as a company. So this verse, according to this authentic narration from Imam Tabarani, rahmatullahi alayhi, was revealed after a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, I love you, I love you more than myself, more than my family, more than my wealth, more than my children. When I am at home, I think of you. When I think of you, I become disquiet and disturbed. I am unable to contain myself until I come to see you and set my eyes on you. And then I think of my death, your passing away, and I think that you will go to Jannah and you shall be elevated with the rest of the prophets and I won't be able to see you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. But crucially, although he spoke of love, Allah begins the, word, the verse with the words, not that those who love Allah, those who obey Allah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa there can be no love of the Messenger of Allah without obedience.
I end with this. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables us to truly love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we should. And in fact, there is a dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would recite. And he has taught us. In fact, he says, preserve this dua. It's a hadith later by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbalin's Musnad. And Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi sunan from Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu and it's a very long hadith and just part of the dua is وَأَسْأَلُكَ حُبَّكَ وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبُّكَ وَحُبَّ عَمَلٍ يُقَرِّبُنِي إِلَىٰ حُبِّكَ That, oh Allah, I ask you for your love and the love of those who love you and I ask you for the love of deeds that bring me closer to your love. So وَأَسْأَلُكَ حُبَّكَ وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبُّكَ وَحُبَّ عَمَلٍ يُقَرِّبُنِي إِلَىٰ حُبِّكَ So at the end of the hadith, Prophet wasallam actually says, preserve this. So try to memorize a dua and recite it in the hope that this may instill in our hearts the love of Allah, the love of the people of Allah, the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the love of those deeds that bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's part of the love of Allah to love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So wa asaluk hubbak, wa hubba man yuhibbuk, wa hubba amalin yuqarribuni ila hubbik. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasulihi nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk.